Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are we all doing this morning? Doing good? Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. Um, I don't know if anybody's told you Merry Christmas yet. Um, I, I, can I tell you the first time, like this month, somebody told me Merry Christmas, I'm like, okay, you're crazy. It's not December. Oh, it's December 9th. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where the time went. Can I just tell you? Um, what a, you know, I'm so excited for Christmas. I'm so glad that we're here, but I don't know how we got here, right? I don't know about you, but it feels like the, this year just, just flew past. Like, I, I'm still trying to get past that, like, it's not still spring. Like, I think that we might be in May still, and just, we're all just having del- one grand delusion that we're now in, in December. I almost said October. That's how, that's how I'm convinced that we're not in December yet. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, having a baby has made things go so fast, and uh, Gab and I are so excited to celebrate Noah's first Christmas uh, this Christmas. So excited. Um, he's not excited. You know, but we're excited. I'm excited for him. Uh, and, and today's a very special day for us because this is actually his, uh, his 10-month birthday. Um, yeah, he's 10 months today. So exciting. You know, and actually, believe it or not, uh, we, we, uh, I love that we sang the song uh, Gratitude this morning because he was actually born to that song. So it's like a little, gives me a little, uh, the baby. Um, you know, and so, but anyways, we're so excited for, for Noah this Christmas, you know, in, in celebrating just the, the birth of Jesus and, and, and all that, like, kind of Christmas is. Uh, last year, uh, before he was born, the one thing oh, I wanted in the whole world was for Noah to be able to see, like, Christmas lights, right? Because let's just face it, Christmas lights make everything look better. You know what I mean? That's why people leave, leave them up all year round. You know what I mean? I mean, also, they're hard to take down, and you don't want to die on la- a ladder, you know? That's my fear. Um, my biggest fear is dying on a ladder. That's just, <laughs> between you and me, I'm just being real with you, okay? Um, but I love, I love the, the Christmas lights, and, and um, you know, le- last night we had the opportunity to take Noah to, like, on, like, a little hayride. There's, like, a, a little farm um, a little ways north, and they have, like, all these, these light displays, and they go on, like, a little hayride, and they have, like, l- like there's, like, a tunnel of lights and all this kind of stuff. And, and it was a little cold last night, so Gab had Noah bundled like a mummy. You know, he was basically just a pile of blankets um, that I was holding like this, right? And uh, I wasn't 100% sure if he could even see the lights from inside. I, like, it, he kind of looked like, he kind of reminded me like he was in, like a little tank. All I saw was two little eyeballs. You know what I mean? He looked like a little ninja. He had like a little face, like, like, like head covering with a face mask. Like, he, he did. He looked like a little ninja. It was adorable. So we're going through like these lights and like Gab and I are like, we're so excited. I'm like, oh, it's a tunnel of lights. Look at all the lights, Noah. And he's just kind of sitting there being like, Okay. You know, like, we're so excited for him to see all these things, and he's just kind of like, meh, it's all right, you know? And then, like, like of all the things he gets excited for, like, we'll get home, and, like, we'll, we'll you know, it's like snack time, and, like, we'll give him a banana. He's like, <gasps> banana! You know what I mean? Like, he just, he doesn't, so we get it, right? He doesn't fully get the, the picture of Christmas yet, but we're excited for him nonetheless, you know? It brings in the question, like, what are we going to get him for Christmas? Um, we'll find something nice, but we all know that the box that is going to come is going to be more exciting for him than the toy, right? You know, we might just wrap up a banana for him, you know? <laughs> that might, that might actually do, we might just save money, you know, do, go the economic route this year. Um, you know, or it could just put like a, an old remote in a box, because he loves to find the remote. I don't know how he does, like, of all the things, he's got stuff that lights up and plays music, you know, he's got things that, like, you know, grandparents got him, but, like, like the remote that just sits there and does nothing, that's what he wants, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand, I don't understand how, but there is a, there's such a, a beauty and such a joy when it comes to being able to celebrate Christmas, especially with, a, you know, especially with our, our son, Noah. 
I'm just so excited for it. Um, <laughs> I'm getting so excited. I just, I'm, I'm going off my notes. I don't even know what I'm talking about here. Okay, yeah. Um, so <laughs> so it, it makes me, it brings me back to though, like, you know, when we look at the picture of the nativity scene, right? The most classic picture of the Christmas season, we see this picture of like, like Jesus, Joseph, and Mary are in the manger, right? The classic nativity scene. We see that the three shepherds are there, you know, they're hanging out. Um, they have all their, their, you know, there's cattle and sheep and all the, all the animals. And sometimes people don't always like, like, like understand like cultural Jewish traditions. So like there's like a random pig in there that shouldn't be there, you know what I mean? Because it's like, we're in Israel. Um, and, and so like there's, and then you have on the other side, you have like the three wise men showing up, right? And that's like the classic picture of the nativity scene. And so part of what I want to talk about this morning is kind of that journey of the wise men to Jesus. That's what I want to really unpack with you here this morning. Um, because it's really unique. I think there's something, there's something so powerful. And if you're ever like me, there's so much like mystery around the picture of like the wise men coming to Jesus, right? Just wave me. Have you ever like wondered more about like what was all that about? Yeah. Even like the gifts that they brought. You know, I can imagine when the wise men showed up to Mary with like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mary's like, wow, this is, woof, a stuffed animal would have been great. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that would have been just perfect. <laughs> you know, like what's baby Jesus going to do with a casket of gold coins? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, aside from want them, like the TV remote, you know? Because um, keep in mind, when the wise men showed up to Joseph and Mary, right, they were no longer in the manger. It was actually two years later. Right? We always put it together because right at the end of verse 1 is just like the moment Jesus was born. In fact, verse 1 of, of Matthew uh, says that Jesus, uh, he was born, they named him Jesus. And then it jumps right to the wise men. We don't read is that there's like, there's, there's approximately about a year and a half to two years between verse 1 and verse 2. Right? So we just kind of throw them all in the manger. So listen, if you have a manger at home and you got like the shepherds and the wise men and they're all there, listen, don't, don't take apart your manger. Okay? I just want to encourage you. So if some of you here are tempted to have like a very biblically accurate manger. Don't, 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 don't take it apart. Just, just be encouraged, all right? It's, it's fine. Leave them in there because it's all part of the, the story of, of who Jesus is, right? That's what the nativity is talking about. That's what the season of Christmas is all about. It's celebrating the coming of the Christ, right? This is who we're, this is who we are celebrating. So I just want to like kind of unpack this with you a little bit. And, um, and before I do, I, I just want to invite you in your notes here. You probably have this little sheet. We're going to do something a little different with notes this morning. Um, normally we do like fill-ins and different types of things. Um, and some of you are like, we always ask, like, who's like a fill-in person? Some of you are fill-in people. That's okay. Listen, we're going to have, there, there will be fill-ins in life for you. Um, but I want this morning for us to just take a little bit of an inventory together. As we're talking about the, walking in the footsteps of the wise men, I want us to start off this morning. And you can write down answers for yourselves. You can do it now or you can do it later. Even if you just have an idea in your mind of what it is um, you're looking at. I just want to ask these few questions before we start off on this message, right? When you think of seeking Jesus or seeking after Jesus, what comes to mind? What does it mean for you to seek Jesus in faith? What does it mean for you to seek Jesus in obedience? What does it mean for you to seek Jesus in sacrifice? What does it mean for us to seek Jesus in worship? Right? Let these be, like, hey, listen, we can answer like the, the, the perfect, you know, <laughs> church perfect questions for us as a church, but let, hey, let's make that personal for ourselves this morning. Let's ask those questions of ourselves because these are the steps that the wise men took in seeking Jesus, right? These are the, the steps that the wise men took in seeking Jesus. And I can only imagine what that first interaction was between Mary, Joseph, and the wise men, right? Because uh, I, 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 
if, if, Mary, if, if it were Gab and I in that situation, can I just tell you, Gab is an amazing host. Gab loves to host. She's, she's like, like that, she's got that like full-blooded, she loves to, like Italian, loves to make people feel like home and welcomed and like have coffee on and cookies and things that you would like. Like she wants to, like, we don't have a big house to host a lot of people. We want to make sure we have a cozy house to host people if they were to come over, right? If you were to come and, and visit our house, we would want to make sure that like you were going to have, a, you were going to feel welcomed and warmed and loved. Like that's, that's Gab's great, that's one of her great goals in life. <laughs> Can I tell you? And I love that about her. But coincidentally, one of Gab's greatest fears in life is, is the house not being ready if somebody shows up. Right? Can anybody else agree? Is anybody else like that? Right? In fact, so much so, can I just tell you? <laughs> Oops, sorry, I'm just covering my mic. Um, can I just tell you? Um, we just had a conversation like just the other day <laughs> where, where like, we were talking about like just wanting to be healthy, right? You know, God forbid anything were to ever happen to us if like the paramedics were to ever come. I don't know what, what the conversation was around this kind of thing. It wasn't in fear, but we were just talking about it, right? Gab's number one fear is not that something would happen to one of us and we would have to go to the hospital. No. Her number one fear is that the paramedics would come and the house would not be ready. That's the number one fear. <laughs> you know, can you imagine like the paramedics show up like, oh, hold up. I mean, we, we could go do CPR in here. I'm not sure they ran that dishwasher, <laughs> right? Like that's Gab's greatest fear is that we would have company that would come over by surprise and the house is not prepared for them, right? The house wouldn't be ready for them. That's Gab's greatest fear. So I can imagine if we were in Joseph's and Mary's shoes, that conversation would have been a very unique one, right? Would have been one to remember. Because I can imagine that, you know, Mary is in there, right? Jesus is at the time probably about two years of age, maybe just under two years of age. And, uh, you know, Jesus, a, two, a toddler at two years of age, you know, they're still into things like remotes, right? Like, like baby Jesus probably wanted something of like Joseph's like woodworking tools that he probably wasn't supposed to have because he's two. You know what I mean? And so I can imagine that, that Mary is probably chasing Jesus around the house, trying to get him down for a nap time. And if baby Jesus was like anything like our son Noah, he wasn't napping. You know what I mean? His, his sound machine wasn't working the way it was supposed to. Not that they had that. Um, you know, like, so, so Mary is trying to get Jesus. <laughs> you know, I just, in my mind, this is how it's going, right? And Joseph just kind of comes in like, uh, honey, we uh, right outside have guests. <laughs> Right? I can imagine Mary's like, are they, are, is that your parents? Have they come? We're not ready. We're not ready to host right now. And I can imagine Joseph's like, nope, they're dignitaries and they're here to see Jesus. Right? Like that must have been a unique interaction between the wise men, Joseph and Mary. Right? So let's talk about the wise men. Let's talk about their journey to Jesus. Uh, and let's just start with dispelling just a few um, common myths, right? Um, we know that they, they were wise men, right? They weren't kings, right? We all know the song like, we three kings of Orianar. Nobody knows what that is. Let's just face it. We, we sing that. We don't know what it means, right? But they weren't kings, you know. They were magi, right? And they came from the east. They came from the, uh, uh, from the kingdom of Babylon, and their, their job, right, for one, and for one, there are probably not three of them. Again, don't dismantle your nativity scene. Okay, deal? deal? Okay, good. This morning you're with me. Okay, yeah, don't dismantle your nativity scene. Um, but if you want to make it biblically accurate, you probably have to add a lot more characters. <laughs> okay? Because in all reality, there were probably not three wise men. There were probably at least 12. 
because the common Babylonian tradition was to send a delegation of 12 magi to meet with other kings, right? That's, that's what it was. So 12 guys showed up, you know, and they probably weren't like the guys that we see in the manger that are like dressed in a fancy robe with just a pointy hat. They might have had the pointy hat, you know, but they probably weren't just dressed in like their, their evening robe. You know what I mean? These were the magi, their job as magi were to be, um, they were intelligent and knowledgeable in like all areas, right? Did you know that? Like their job was they were historians. They were, um, they were uh, like military tacticians. They were in, they, they understood science. They understood history, right? I might have said history, right? They understand literature. They just, their, their job was to be knowledgeable in all things that they could be knowledgeable in, right? Like they were the Wikipedia before Wikipedia existed, right? They, they had to know everything because their job as magi, right? Their job as the wise men in Babylon was to identify and train up a Babylonian king. Do you know that? They, that was their job. That was like, that was like half of like, like their entire life's purpose was to identify a king for Babylon and to train them up. That was their job. So these were smart people, right? These were intelligent people. And they would have traveled to the, the town of Bethlehem. They would travel to Jesus with a complement of hundreds of soldiers, right? It would have looked like a small army was descending, right, on the home of Joseph and Mary, right? This was, this was, this was a probably intimidating force. Horsemen, camels, they would have had um, hired servants. They would have had um, you know, quartermasters. They would have had people to cook. You know, they would, have, they would have people to carry all their supplies, right? This was a big ordeal, Right? It, it, we just have, like, we have a, a little, like, story time, like a uh, Christmas story time for Noah, right? And we just kind of see, like, there's, like, the three, you know, wise men on their camels with, like, three presents going to the house of, you know, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And, and that, we, we, we missed the grandeur of this event. Like, this was a big event. And they were doing this because there was no, if we go back in history, we can see that at the time that Jesus was born, there was no king in Babylon, yeah, there was no king in Babylon. In fact, Babylon had a, a, a long history, <laughs> about 25 BC till the time that Jesus was born, and then even sometime afterwards, um, it, was, it, was a little, it was a little dramatic in Babylon, right? Like, we look at our elections today, like, what's going on, and, and we think it's pretty dramatic. It is. It's craziness. You know, world's crazy. But nothing like it was in Babylon, right? 25 BC, you know, 25 years before Jesus shows up on the scene in Babylon, the current king is forced out of Babylon into exile um, from stealing huge sums of wealth from the Babylonian empire. The guy that comes after him takes his position, changes the national form of worship. He gets poisoned by his wife who sets up their son as the new king, and then they get deposed and sent to Rome in exile because they were also stealing the wealth of Babylon, right? It was dramatic, right? There were things going on. It was, it was, it was a time, it was, um, it was festive, right? It's very festive. So they were out looking for Jesus. And so the wise men, these were, um, the wise men were, were likely trained up, not just in the teachings of Babylon and science and knowledge and all these kinds of things. They were also, uh, we understand them to be, um, they, were, they were taught the teachings of Daniel while he was in Babylon, right? Because we know that the story of Daniel was that he was raised up as the chief magi, right? And would have taught them all about the coming of the Messiah, right? And so the, the, the magi are here understanding that a Messiah is coming and they're looking for a new king because there's no king in Babylon. 
And so the story sets off, I'm, I'm going to read from, uh, I don't have this up here on the screen, so you just have to trust me to read it out of my Bible here. Um, the story sets off in uh, Matthew chapter 2, right? This is two years after Jesus is born. I'm just going to read a short pers- uh, portion of here for you, right? Uh, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, uh, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him, right? That sets off, this whole thing starts off because they saw the star of Jesus, the star of Bethlehem, Jesus' star in the east. Now, there's a lot of things that people talk about, like, what is the star? I'm not going to go into all that. People don't know if it was like, like this star, this planet, and it was like magnifying light, or if it was like the glory of God. I'm not going to go into all that, right? But they saw something that drew them to Jesus. In their searching, they saw something that pointed something different. In all the years of their training and looking for a a, a king, they're seeing something that is saying that the true king has come. And so they take their first step, their first step in the journey, the same journey that we take every day towards Jesus. They took the first step towards Jesus in seeking him in faith, right? They saw the star in the sky, and they took their first step in faith. We knew that they believed the scriptures because when they go to King Herod, they quote the scriptures telling of the coming of the Messiah, right? Their first step was a step of faith. Hey, can I challenge us, each and every one of us, myself included here, when we talk about do we believe what the word says? Are we taking a step out in faith of it? Because can I tell you, there's so many things in God's word that I I have to choose to believe, right? Because sometimes the world doesn't line up with what what God's word says, right? Like it says that I am the head and not the tail. (laughs) Can I tell you that sometimes I don't feel like I'm the head. Sometimes I feel like I'm the tail. Sometimes I feel like I don't even know what's going on, right? That there are things in this world we're going to see that we have to make a decision. Okay, do I believe God's word. The Magi stepped out in faith because they believed what was written. They believed the the, the prophecy of the Messiah. They believed that one was coming unlike any other king that they had ever known. Right? Do we believe? Do we seek Jesus starting from a place of faith? Do we seek him from starting from a place of faith? The next thing they did, the next step for the Magi was a step of obedience. Right? Because they didn't just believe it, right? They didn't just see the star and be like, wow, that's awesome. The Messiah's come. Right? Like they didn't, it didn't just stop, it didn't just end there, right? <laughs> they didn't take to Twitter telling people, somebody should go follow that star. Right? They took, they took personal responsibility for their calling to obey the teaching that they had learned, and they took that faith and they put action to faith. Right? How many of us know the word says that faith without works is dead? Right? That there is there is a we have to put action to faith, right? Faith, more often than not, requires some kind of step of obedience, right? So they put, they were obedient to what they saw. They walked in faith, right? And they step out in obedience. The next step that's going to happen, listen, for us as believers, the next step that the Magi took in seeking Jesus was they took a step of sacrifice, Right? It was great sacrifice. The journey of the Magi to Jesus was one of great sacrifice. Right? It was not, it was not, you know, we kind of have this idea, like they didn't just catch an Uber. 
over there, right? They didn't, they didn't just gas up, they, they, didn't, they didn't charge up their Tesla and load everybody in. You know what I mean? Um, it, was, it, was, it was quite the journey, right? Because I, like I mentioned that they were, it was basically a small army that had to go with them. And now I don't know what like, I don't know what the bank account was of the Magi. You know, I don't know if they had like a, a, a petty cash fund, you know, to just kind of do what they wanted with. But I can imagine that their lives had to be put on pause in order to seek after this newborn king, to seek after Jesus, their lives had to be put on pause, right? Amen? Are you with me? Yeah? Everybody tracking with me? There, they, there, this was a great moment of sacrifice because all the people that came with them, listen, they, these, they're traveling one of the, they, they would have traveled, actually Pastor Ralva shared with me that the distance that they went was probably the distance from about here in New Jersey to Virginia. Is that right, Pastor Ralph? Yeah, about from here to, to, to Virginia, between 700 to 1,000 miles, depending on where they started from, right? Which is not in itself a great, is not a great distance. I mean, that's a long way to walk, right? We agree. You get your steps in doing that. Um, but th- it, was, it was that they were traveling some of the most dangerous roads in the Middle East at the time. Right? The kingdoms all around there, like, like you look at Babylon and Persia and all these other places and, and kingdoms don't know how to name, right? They were all at like war with each other, right? Not to mention like bandits, right? Like it was, it was dangerous to travel. It was dangerous to travel from like, it, like from here to like three miles away would have been dangerous to travel because there was just, it was common that people were robbed, right? Like that was, that was a common thing. In fact, Jesus, when he shares about um, the, <laughs> I said this in the first service, and every time I mention this, I keep forgetting, right? The guy who was beaten up on the side of the road, the good Samaritan. I said that the exact same way in the first service, right? Okay. So Jesus shares about the good Samaritan, right? Who comes across a guy who's been robbed and beaten. Jesus uses that analogy because can I tell you, that was common <laughs> in like first century world. Like if you're traveling, you would likely come across somebody who's been robbed, Right? Not a fun time, but it's very common. And if you didn't want to be robbed and every, all your possessions stolen, well, in all reality, you'd have to hire like armed guards, right? And guess what? Armed guards aren't going to be armed guards unless they're paid, <laughs> right? So this is a great cost to the Magi that were setting off on this journey that took them two years to complete, right? If the star of David appeared in the sky, it took them two years to get to Jesus. Now, like I said, I don't know what their pace was. You know, I don't know if they were trying to, to, to hit certain mile markers, right? But we know that it, the, the logistics alone would have taken great effort to complete. But they were willing to make that sacrifice because they were coming to see Jesus, right? They were willing to make that sacrifice because they believed that the Messiah had come. And then the fourth place here, right? What does it mean to seek Jesus in worship? They came, they're very beginning, right? We just read that in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, that their whole purpose in coming to find Jesus was to worship him. It was to worship him. Now, here's the, there's something interesting when we talk about this, right? So the Magi, when we go back to like, what was their job description, right? Can I tell you? Finding the Messiah to worship him, not in their job description. Right? In fact, the Magi, like, they were, they, as Babylonian delegates, they were meant to go, yes, they, one, they identified kings. That was their job, to find kings to sit on the throne of Babylon. It was their job to go and train kings to sit on the throne of Babylon, right? To be knowledgeable, to be advisors to kings, right? Um, but when they went to, as dignitaries to other kingdoms, it was their job to try and form alliances, 
right? They were to go and try and bring an alliance to the kingdom of Babylon. When they went, and, they, and, and surely they would have spent many, many days, hours, and, and, and years of their lives not just studying and practicing, but, but being in the courts of kings. Because that was their job. Their job was to encounter royalty and to impress them and to encourage them to come and, and form trade alliances or military alliances or, or, or agreements or whatever the case may have been. That was the job of the Magi, to convince other kingdoms to be in alliance with Babylon. That was their job. They had to bring an alliance. And so when they go to Jesus, it says, he says, they say, we have come to worship him. They're not coming with an expectation. Every other king that they would have gone to would have been a king that they were there to get something from. Here they're going to a king to simply worship. Now listen, I know, I know some of us come from a distance to get to church sometimes, right? And depending on like if it's raining or snowing, it can definitely feel like it's a lot longer. But I guarantee you, none of you traveled two years to get to grace and peace this morning to sit and worship, right? We, we didn't do that, you know. If, if that's going to be the case, we're just going to hop online, right? High online. But we're not, we're not nobody's blaming you, okay? Um, we're glad that you're with us. But we're talking about that like, it, man, it would have been such a long time for them to travel at such great sacrifice just to worship Jesus. Can I tell you that convicts me? Because so many times... I've made the, the art of seeking Jesus and worshiping Jesus one that needs to be convenient for me. Can I tell you, I get frustrated if I want to put on a worship song and have to listen to an ad on YouTube before it pops up. <laughs> like, that's too long. It's 30 seconds. You ever, like, had an ad pop up on YouTube and you just try to close YouTube and try to reopen it just so you could skip the ad, right? And it takes longer, you know? So you have to wait a full minute before you put on the song you want, you know? They were willing to go two years at extreme personal cost, to find Jesus, just to worship him. It tells us something about what's going on with the, the Magi. I'm going to jump over here. Again, this is not up on the screen, so I'm just going to read this for you because I didn't plan this part until like 10 minutes before this service started. Um, can I just read this for you? This is, uh, just jumping down, uh, this is Matthew 2, starting in uh, verse 9. They depart from King Herod. By the way, they show up at the palace of King Herod. Do you know why? Because they were looking for a king. Right? That's why they showed up at the palace of King Herod. That's what you do when you're a magi. You go to the palace of the king. Right? Surprise, Jesus is not in the palace of an earthly king. Amen? Um, so they departed. Listen to these words, right? And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Listen to this, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Do you ever wonder why they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy? Yes, I believe they did. They believed the, the prophecies of, of Daniel. They believed the word uh, that was written, that was pointing to the coming Messiah. They knew what they were looking for. They understood. When you look at the gifts that they brought... They understood that they were finding the Messiah, right? Gold was the gift of kings, right? You, when you went to meet a king, you brought a gift of gold. 
Frankincense um, was one of the incense that was used, uh, one of the incense that was used to burn in the temple, especially in the holiest of holies where the blood would have been sprinkled on the mercy seat, right? So they understood that the purpose of Jesus was to minister as the perfect sacrifice. And myrrh was used for both the, the anointing oil for the priest in the temple as well as spice for burial wraps. So they knew that this Jesus was the Messiah, right? But why such exceedingly great joy? Well, probably in part because of that, but I, I want to beg, I want to offer you another option as well, right, in conjunction with. I mentioned that there was no king in Babylon at the time that Jesus was born. And we mentioned, we talked about like the, the job and the role of the Magi. And what they were as, as far as like king makers, they, they, they identified kings, they raised them up. We mentioned all this kind of stuff. Can I tell you, one of, their, one of their other jobs in Babylon was that in the absence of a king, it was their job to rule over the nation and to keep the nation of Babylon from falling apart. That was the job. And normally that would have been in the short time periods between when one king was stepping off the throne, a new king was stepping on, he may have been too young or maybe just born, and so they would have to rule for maybe five or six years until he was of age, which only needed to be like sometimes 10, as young as 10, which nobody, nobody needs to be ruling a nation at 10, right? God, God bless 10-year-olds. Nobody at 10, year old need, 10 years old needs to be ruling a nation. But, um, right, that would, that would have been their, their job to just, just kind of be in the interlude in between, these in-between moments to, to hold things together. But for the past 25 years, the Babylonian kingdom was in chaos because of all the things that I just mentioned, right? That, that there, was, there was abdications and poisonings and thefts and, 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 and people trying to fight and, and, and wage war for control of the Babylonian kingdom, one of the greatest kingdoms at the time. And so the man Magi were trying to hold a falling, crumbling kingdom together. For the past 25 years, all their knowledge is going into trying to keep this kingdom that is falling to pieces from falling to pieces. They're trying to plug the holes in a sinking ship. And I can only imagine how exhausting that must have been. Trying to hold this world's processes and kingdoms together. It's all on their shoulders because there's no king. Nobody's there to be in charge. And I can only imagine the exhaustion. Can I tell you guys, I get exhausted looking at my bills. Right? I get exhausted driving. I get exhausted waking up. They were trying to hold an empire together because there was no king and the kings and queens that were raising up were trying to steal stuff from it. They had a job to do. And I can only imagine how exhausting it must have been to try and hold their kingdom together. I can only imagine how many times they stared up into the night sky, wondering when's it going to change? How much longer do we have to wait? When is there finally going to be peace? And then, one night, unlike any other night, they see a star that they've never seen before. And that star for them, I can only imagine, must have been the first glimmer of hope. And as they're staring at it, and suddenly it starts to move, unlike any other star has ever moved. And hope arises inside of them. 
Because finally that means that there's going to be a king who's going to change the course of this broken kingdom. Can I tell you for each and every one of us, as we daily need to seek after Jesus in our lives, if we get caught up in trying to just hold it all together on our own, we're going to be faced with the same circumstance of trying to keep our kingdom together when it's entirely falling apart. Because we are not meant to be held together by human hands. It was the hands of Jesus that came into a broken and dying world. One of the most things I love most about Christmas is seeing all the Christmas lights. I mentioned that in the beginning. First John says that Jesus was the light of the world. And he entered into the world and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is still the light of the world, church. Jesus is still the hope that we have. Jesus is still the only one who can hold our kingdom together when it's all falling apart. But what it comes back to is us putting first Jesus on the throne of our hearts. Jesus first being on the throne of our hearts. I'm going to uh, invite Dave to come up here and, and just strum on the guitar here a little bit as we, we wrap up. I want to encourage you guys as we are just kind of going through these things. In light of all this, this that we just kind of talk about, what does it mean to seek Jesus in our lives? What does it mean to seek Jesus in faith? What does it mean to seek Jesus in obedience? What does it mean to seek Jesus in sacrifice? What does it mean to seek Jesus in worship? As we kind of ponder these things for ourselves, what does it mean to seek Jesus? I just want to encourage you, Luke 19.10. As we are seeking after Jesus, the word says, the Son of Man has come Listen, to seek and to save that which was lost. The whole purpose of Jesus, the Magi thought that they were coming looking for the king. And when they found him, I think one of the things that they didn't realize is that in finding Jesus, they themselves had been found. In finding Jesus, they themselves were found. That's why they look up at the star, seeing finally they had to reach their destination, that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. We're right in the front of your bulletins here. Most classic Christmas verse Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. For the first time, the Magi were experiencing God's goodwill towards them for the first time. Hey, listen, church, would you just stand with me here as we wrap up? Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe coming into this Christmas season, maybe for you it is just a season of chaos. Maybe you're like me, and you don't even know how we got here. And maybe coming in this morning is just, maybe this is routine. It's okay. Maybe you're here and it's just, you're hoping for something, there'll be something different today than there was in, in, from yesterday. 
Maybe you're here and, and you, like the wise men, are, are, have been trying to hold together a kingdom that's just falling apart. Because, man, my world's never more falling apart than when I'm trying to hold on to it instead of holding on to Jesus. I feel like the Lord's call for us in this Christmas season and this, 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 this time of celebrating and recognizing how Jesus came, even as a, a baby, as, as, as a helpless child, to identify with even the weakest of us, the most helpless of us. In this Christmas season, what needs to be surrendered back to God? What in your life needs to go back into being laid down before Him? I, I love like I said, I love that, that song that we sang earlier this morning. We have nothing to give at the end of the day. I mean, what, what's, what's gold, frankincense, and myrrh to God of the universe? He made it, right? What can we give God that he didn't already give us? The only thing that we can give God, truly give God, the only thing that we can give to God that he does not have is our worship. Imagine I knew that. And so they worshiped. They worshiped in the journey. They worshiped in their obedience. There was worship in them making the trek to Jesus. There was worship in their gifts that they bring. And when they were most exceedingly full of joy, the one thing they wanted to do was fall down and worship Jesus. Can I tell you, we have lost the art of seeking Jesus of worshiping in Jesus through the journey. This morning, church, wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to come back to the simple truth. Jesus came to a lost and broken world. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. So that's good news. Hey, if you're here, you're saying, I'm broken, I'm lost, then you're the one Jesus is looking for this morning. Listen, I'm going to just pray for you here. But if you need prayer for anything, if this morning you're in that place of brokenness or trying to hold it all together, and you want somebody to stand with you in faith, there's going to be folks up here that would love to pray with you. Let us pray with you. And wherever in life that needs to come back and the focus needs to be put back on Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords, hey, let's refocus on him. Not get wrapped up in all the other things. Amen. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, this morning, we just come before you. God, thank you that you came to a broken and dark world to be the light, to be our shining light in the midst of it. That when we can't try and when we can't hold our kingdom together, that God, you, you bring us into your kingdom. Father, we pray that you would so move in every life here, Father, that every place that there is hurt, that you would bring healing. Everywhere there's chaos, you would bring peace. Father, everywhere that there's fear, that you'd bring joy. Lord, thank you that you, from the beginning of time to this moment now, know every need of ours, that you care for us, and we can leave our burdens at the cross because you first loved us. So, Father, I just lift up my friends all around the room. Father, together we just put our eyes and our focus afresh and anew back on the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus. If you agree with me, church, this morning, can you say amen? Amen. Amen.
Hey, listen, before you go, I just want to encourage you guys. I, 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 for one, if you need prayer for anything, come on up, and, and we love to pray with you. The other thing is that I really feel like, I said this in first service, and I just feel like it's for us now. I feel like the Lord uh, just put on my heart this morning that in this Christmas season, he really wants to speak to you in a fresh, fresh way. And that maybe you're here, and it's been a long time since you felt like you heard God's voice in your life. Or maybe you're here, and, and you've never had an experience where you're like, man, I feel like God's talking to me. You know, I, I just feel like the Lord wants to, um, he wants to speak to his people fresh and anew in this season, if we'll listen. And it, so if that's for you, wherever you might be at with that, just, I, I pray you receive that from the Lord. And uh, whatever that looks like, hey, let's be intentional to listen for the Lord, because I believe he wants to speak to us. All right, amen. Church, I love you. Thank you for being with us. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. Otherwise, God bless you. We love you, and we hope to see you soon.